Good morning. It's wonderful to have you all worshiping with us. Let's all stand and sing together. Holy is the Lord. And now it's just a big fat joke, isn't it? We all just wake up an extra hour early. 
So I'm glad you're worshiping here this morning. If you have children, I know you've had a great morning. Let's all sing together again, safe in his arms. To the one whose dreams have fallen all apart. And all you're left with is a tired and broken heart. I can tell by your eyes you think you're on your own, but you're not alone. Have you heard of the one who can calm the raging sea? Give sight to the blind, pull the lame up to their feet. With a love so strong, never let you go. Oh, you're not alone. You will be safe in His arms. You will be safe in His arms. Cause the hands that hold the world are holding your heart. This is the promise He made. He will be with you always. So hear him now, he's calling you home. You'll never be alone. You will be safe in his arms. You will be safe in his arms. Cause the hands that hold the world are holding your heart. This is the promise he made.
We invite the children to come forward to join us, and we invite you to turn to your neighbor and greet one another. Good morning. I want to show you something this morning. I want to show you a word. Um, and my big kids that can read cursive, can you help me read this word? Can anybody read cursive yet? Do you see this word? It's B L E. Good. S S E D. Blessed. This word is blessed. And do you know what? Blessed is just kind of a fancy word for happy. Have you ever felt happy? Are you happy on your birthday? Yeah. Are you happy when it snows? Are you happy when you get candy on Halloween? (laughs) Me too. There are lots and lots of times when we're happy. And I want to tell you um, kind of a hard lesson this morning, okay? There are lots of times when we're happy, but there's also lots of times when we're sad. And there's lots of times when things just don't go our way. And it's really tough to deal with. But there's this thing in the Bible called the Beatitudes, and they're found in Matthew. And I'm not going to read them all to you this morning, but I want to tell you a little bit about them. Jesus said that we need to feel blessed even when things go bad. We need to feel blessed even if we're not feeling happy. Because he wants us to know that he is the one that can make us happy and that he is going to give us everything that we need. Even if something doesn't go our way or even if we get real upset about something, we still need to feel happy and blessed. And it's very hard to do, and it's hard for grown-ups to do too. But we need to try to think of all of the wonderful good things that God gives us. And even in those times of sadness, we need to think about all of the happy things that happen in our lives. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray together. You can repeat after me. Dear Lord, thank you for all the happy times. And thank you even for the sad times. In your name I pray. Amen. And we'll give you this paper. That's fine. <clears throat> I'm glad we got that hour back that was swiped from us last spring. I will always remember when I was a teenager or a young adult, I don't know, whenever it was we started doing this thing of daylight savings time. I guess it was during the first gas crisis in the 70s. Anyway, this lady called a talk show and said, I don't like this extra hour of sunlight at the end of the day, my tomatoes can't stand that much more sun. So 
<laughs> anyway, good to see y'all here uh, after an extra hour of sleep. So some of you said you didn't get the extra hour last night. You were counting on this hour right now. But uh, it is good that you're here for this time of worship. If you have um, prayer concerns that you would like to share with us, you are certainly invited to do so. Uh, way, the way we do that at this service, service is by passing out an um, index card to you if you raise your hand. And then we will um, ask you to write something on that index card that you don't mind being repeated. Um, and then I will share that concern with us all in a few minutes. And we will join you in praying about that that you're concerned about. Announcements for today. Children. Join us tonight from 5.30 to 7. We're back on our normal schedule of choir, mission kids, and Bible study, so we will see you then. Please take a few minutes to view and complete our family life and volunteer request survey on the church website, greerchurch.com. We will also start visiting Sunday school classes today to give you the chance to fill out a printed copy. We need your, your help as we wrap up 2011 and look ahead to 2012. We're excited to hear your feedback. You're invited to join us in supporting the international mission of Operation Christian, Christmas Child. Look for additional information on the table outside the Family Life Center or in your Sunday school classrooms. See Katie Jeter or Joy Hudson with questions or for additional information. We will collect from now until Sunday, November the 20th. That's just two more weeks. So we thank you. We thank everyone for their support of our annual Halloween Carnival and Trunk or Treat last Sunday evening. Pictures may be viewed online, again, at greerchurch.com. Uh, it was almost more people than this building could handle. It was unbelievable. You just could, could barely move around. We had wall-to-wall -wall, uh, adults and children and a wonderful time outside with the trunks uh, packed with good treats as well. So we do thank you for that good experience for our children. Um, tonight at 6 o'clock, our annual report session charge conference will be held with our district superintendent here. You all are welcome to come if you are interested in seeing uh, the workings of the church. Um, but administrative board members are actually voting members of the charge conference, and so we hope you can be there. Um, and it will be, by the way, in the sanctuary because we don't want to displace the children from their usual habitats. Does that mean anything, Jimmy? No. Oh, you're stretching. All right. I thought he was telling me, sending me another signal. But... Uh, like, you know, hurry up or something. But uh, anyway, uh, hope you'll be here tonight for that. Got an email on Friday from um, the Richforths, uh, another death in their family. Joanne's uh, brother had passed away up in the Cincinnati area, and so that's where they are today. Please be in touch with them in the days to come, if you would, uh, as they adjust to another loss. Beanie Robertson had uh, surgery this week. Um, had a section of her intestines removed, and that's difficult for any of us, but 70-pound uh, Beanie Robertson, I'm sure, was extra tough. 
But she's done real well, done real well, so we're thankful for this. Um, hopefully we'll get her home in a few more days. Uh, if you got your prayer cards ready, if you'll hold them up, we will collect them and have our morning prayer time together. Oh, oh, stewardship moment. Would you like to, uh, no, you're not it. Uh, 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 Bill Clute probably is coming to make that introduction. Go ahead and collect these if you would. This is week number two of our annual stewardship drive. I just want to remind you to uh, please be thinking and praying about what you could commit financially in 2012. Uh, the culmination of our drive will be November 20th. We'll have Susan Leonard Ray speaking to us uh, in the sanctuary. It'll be one service that day at 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll follow that with a meal here in the Family Life Center. And in preparation of that, the ushers are gonna be passing out meal reservation cards. If you didn't get one last week, you need to fill one out. Uh, please do, do so and put it in the offering plate um, when that comes around. This morning, uh, we're continuing with our stewardship speakers, and this morning we're pleased and honored to have Luke Hannon coming to speak with us. When I was asked to speak about stewardship, I was taken back. I started to think about what Memorial has given me. And that led me to think about everything. I was born into this church. I've been involved in every aspect of it. From baptism, CEP, children's choir, vacation Bible school, the youth program. I've been on the softball team. I'm part of the Methodist men when I can get back from school and a minute part of the administrative board. I have memories of this church that I'll, I will always cherish. Memories that include Halloween carnivals, day trips to Asbury Hills, delivering Thanksgiving baskets, having car washes, and going on youth mission trips. I remember church servants like my grandmother whose proudest moment was when her, all of her children and her grandchildren sat on one pew, which is fondly called the Smith Pew in the sanctuary. I remember her literally dragging herself to church when she became ill, first on a walker and then in a wheelchair, so that she could worship and hear the choir. These memories go on and on. All this leads me back to the question about stewardship. What can I do for a church that has given me so much? As a 21-year-old senior about to graduate from Clemson and head off to prof professional school, that's a hard question to answer. I can give of my time, I can give of my service, and I can give of my gifts. And when I do have work, I can tithe. Most of all, I would like to thank you, the Congregation of Memorial. Without your stewardship, without your support, and without your gifts, my memories would be very different, as many others would. In our past and present and future generosity that allowed me and many others 
to experience Memorial, to experience the vacation Bible schools, the Thanksgiving deliveries, and the youth trips. What can I give Memorial Methodist? I can give back what all of you have so freely given and continue to give. It is through our stewardship, both time and money, that we serve God and the many missions of that of our church. Thank you, Luke. I remember seven years ago uh, when I got here, Luke was in middle school probably. Big kid, and all the coaches were saying, play football. And he said, nah, that's my little brother's going to do that. By that time, Reese was about that tall, and I said, big chance of that ever happening. Reese, you grew on me a little bit there and had a great career. It continues, too. Uh, next Sunday is going to be another special day in the life of this church. I hope you will be here to hear our pastor emeritus, George Strait, as he preaches at both services. So um, George is quite a guy, served this congregation as pastor back in the 70s and is serving us again today all the time. So I hope you'll be here for that. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, these are our special prayers for this day. We pray, Lord, for your touch of healing and comfort for Michael Haas. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for a beloved pet. We thank, we, we pray, Lord, for Tracy Coy, a daughter with family issues. We offer you praises for Beanie Robertson's successful surgery last week. We pray for continued strength and healing for the days ahead for her. We pray for Benny Hannon's family in the death of his mother this past week. And we pray for the Lindsay family who lost their son and grandson Corbin last week. We pray again, Lord, for the Reeve and the Patrick family. We pray for a brother who is looking for a job and for a sister who is going through divorce. Lord, these are our special prayers for this day. And we pray in the name of Jesus as he has taught us to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture lesson for this day is 1 John 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, 
Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Here ends the lesson. Now, some of you probably think I've lost what's little, what little bit is left of my brain when this time of year I'm talking about graduates. Uh, it's a long way until we graduate our folks in, in next, uh, next spring. Spring semester hadn't even started. For those students about to graduate, Luke and others, graduation is a time always of mixed emotions. They are leaving behind one set of friends and a place that they've called home for some time to go on to new places and to make new friends in new institutions or new friends in the workplace. There are always some tears of joy mingled together with tears of sadness at times of graduation. Well, that got me thinking this week that there is a graduation date ahead for all of us and I'm referring to the date that we graduate from this life on earth to begin that new course of study in eternity. This has to be a time of mixed feelings for us as well as we leave behind old friends and familiar places to begin a new era of existence in eternity. Since last year's All Saints Sunday, Memorial Church has graduated eight of our students from this life into life in God's house. In the language of the Salvation Army, eight of our friends have been promoted in rank. They have been promoted to glory. In Matthew 5, Jesus paints a picture of a saintly lifestyle. He speaks of the blessedness of being aware of our spiritual neediness, of being mournfully sorry about our sins and the sins of others and the pains of others. He declares humility, mercy, and purity of heart and love for peacemaking to be blessed conditions. He says that it's very blessed when we stand for the right and take a whipping for it figuratively and literally. And if we are so closely identified with Jesus that somebody takes offense at us because of him, Jesus said we are really blessed in those occasions. Our recently departed saints took a stand for Jesus at an early age in their lives and reflected many of these Christ-like attitudes. I want to center our thoughts today on the passage from 1 John 3 as we think about those recent graduates. John begins that passage that we read by reminding us that there is a great stockpile of love that the Father has poured out upon us, a heaping helping that's so great it can't be measured. Now the word lavished that I read there means to be so extravagant and abundantly given that it's actually wasteful. 
Jesus liked that word. He talked about the seed sower who went out and just lavished the, the seeds everywhere on the land, just wasted seeds to make sure enough would sprout. You see, God didn't take out a heavenly measuring cup and stingily parcel out his love on us. He flooded us with his love, giving us more than we could ever possibly use. That's the meaning of Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection. It is love to such a degree that the universe will never see the likes of it again. Our deceased friends are the recipients of God's love on an even higher level than we have ever received it. If you think that death somehow means that God has forgotten about someone or that he didn't love them as much as you thought, you need to think again. Death has carried them closer to the source of pure love than we have ever been in our lives. The real evidence of God's love for us is the fact that God calls us his children. We aren't God's pets, although I think some of us treat our pets better than we do our children sometimes, but we aren't pets. We're, we're not his creatures either. We are his dear children in the same way that Jesus is God's child. Well, almost the same way. Jesus is the natural child of God. We are the adopted children. But natural children and adopted children are treated just alike when it comes to the inheritance. There is no difference. My two adopted first cousins inherited the same share of our grandparents' estate that the seven of us natural cousins also received. We Christians have the same connection to Almighty God that Jesus has. We have the same inheritance that Jesus has. The Son of God rules the universe, and in the world to come, we will be right there with him, sharing his authority in heaven. We're God's children here and now, says John. We're acknowledged as or called God's children. And in the world to come, we will reign with Christ. Now, the good news about being God's children is that God treats us just like he treated Jesus. The bad news about being God's children is that in this life, the world treats us just like they treated Jesus. The people of this world don't know who we are, John says, because they don't know who God is. They didn't recognize Jesus as God's son when he came to live among us because they didn't know who God was. And they don't recognize or respect us now either. Jesus was rejected and crucified. So we shouldn't be surprised then if we suffer rejection or persecution for standing alongside of Jesus in this life. Sometime you might feel called to take a stand that puts you in opposition with the majority of people in the community, even the majority of Christians in a community. I'm afraid that sometimes Christians have a herd mentality. They blindly follow whatever their Christian leaders tell them is the right thing to do without questioning, without wisdom and insight, 
I've always been grateful that Methodist people don't follow blindly their pastor. I guarantee you we don't. Y'all ask questions, and it's great. Don't ever stop. You need to ask questions about where we're headed. But some people just follow without questioning, without praying, or looking for guidance in the, in the Bible. And then when that happens, other Christians have to stand up and point out their error. And that can be very, very difficult at times. Our recent graduates lived through a time of tremendous social change. All of the positive changes that we've seen in our society in recent uh, decades, like racial inclusion and women's equality, some of which were questioned at first, have become reality because of that generation that worked hard to keep peace as we worked through those difficult times. My father, who uh, died back in 1990, was asked one time what he thought about women's equality. And he said he was really looking forward to it because he was getting sick and tired of mama being the boss. I remember uh, remembered the other day thinking about when Will McKellar, one of our recent graduates, began teaching school way back many years ago she, because she was nearly 100 when she died. Back then, teachers had to remain unmarried, single, or else if you got married, you had to quit teaching. What in the world were we thinking back then? I was thinking that when John Jameson was born, it was probably against the law for Yankees to move to South Carolina. <laughs> the world didn't always respect our graduates, but they were faithful to God, and we celebrate that. Following their good examples, maybe in our day we can figure out some things to do to balance our nature's concern about illegal aliens with the Bible's command in Deuteronomy 18 to be sure that we take care of widows, orphans, and aliens in our borders. That might take some fancy footwork on our part. I really like where John carries us next in that passage. He says, and rather than spending time trying to tell you what heaven's going to look like, streets of gold, anything like that, how large it will be. John just said, that hadn't been revealed to us yet. We don't know. We're children now of God. What is going to be there, we're not sure. But it's going to be better. It's going to be even better. Because there is one that we trust in who does know what, what the future holds. Oh, we wish we did know. But I just don't know that many people who have been blessed to have a sneak preview of heaven. Speaking of which, this week's newspaper printed a very interesting story. You maybe didn't miss it, or maybe you did, about the last words of Steve Jobs. Stephen Jobs, the creator of the Apple computer, the Macintosh, iPads, iPods, iPhones, iTunes, and i-everything. Some say that he ranks right up there in terms of inventions with da Vinci and Einstein and the other great brains who've lived. But it was his last words that made the news this week instead of his many inventions. His sister said that right before he died, he looked at them and then looked beyond them as if he was looking beyond the ceiling. And he said, oh, wow, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then he died. I wonder what he was seeing. What will be has not yet been revealed. 
John said that we're already in this world children of God. What will we be in eternity? When Jesus appears, that is, when he returns to earth, either at our deaths or at the end of the world, we will be made just like him. Paul told the people in Thessalonica that we would be changed when Jesus returned. This mortal body of ours will put on immortality. John simply says, we'll be changed, we'll be like Jesus. Our sainted graduates were changed the minute they entered eternity. They became like Jesus. Limited knowledge was replaced by limitless knowledge. Their immortal bodies put on immortality. They are now just like Jesus in eternity, and they look at him face to face. Now John has one more nugget of truth for us in that, that uh, scripture we read in the last verse. The hope that comes our way. The hope that comes our way. Oh, that's a little early. What did I do? Oh, well. The hope that comes our way uh, has a way of purifying us. It floods us with God's love. We know that we'll be like Jesus when he appears. And uh, it, that knowledge has a way of purifying us. It cleanses us. Hope cleanses. Now that word pure scares us just a little bit, doesn't it? The reason that we fear that is that we know that we're not very pure. Uh, we're a long way from that every day that we live. We're a swirling mixture of unselfish dreams and self-centered desires. If the blessing of the pure heart is that they will one day see God, some of us wonder if we'll ever get pure enough hearts to get a glimpse of the Almighty. It is good news to us that the hope we have in our hearts cleanses us. It pushes us toward purity. Now, I want to remind you what purity is. That's where the sugar is. If sugar is really pure, it means that it's the same thing in that five-pound bag, no matter where you stick your, your spoon in. It's the same thing. You don't have to stick your spoon in a spot and say, oh, my, I got salt this time, or I got mud this time. If it's pure, it's the same thing. People with the quality of purity of those who have so received the love of God within themselves, who have so much hope for their eternal future that they're truly comfortable in their own skin, being who they are. They're the same day by day when you run into them. You don't have to worry that they're gonna bite your head off one day and love your neck the next. They're the same. They take steady strides as they walk with Jesus. If you want to grow in that kind of purity, let God fill your heart with the hope that when Jesus appears, you will be changed. You will be just like him, for you will see him just as he is. Now at this time, I want to recognize Memorial's graduates in the order that they were promoted to glory. Woody Melton, Fern Elrod, Wilma Keller, John Jameson, Don Forrester, Dan Sims, Myrtle Upton, and Neil Weiss. Let us pray. 
Eternal God, we praise you for the great company of all those who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labors. We praise you for those dear to us whom we name in our hearts before you, blessed parents and grandparents and friends. But especially this day, we praise you for these who have died in this past year, whom you have graciously received into your presence. To all of these, Lord, grant your peace. Let perpetual light shine upon them and help us so to believe where we have not seen that your presence may lead us through our years and bring us at last with them into the joy of your home, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. I invite you to stand at this time as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Please be seated as we receive our morning offering.
take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you. Please take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you, Jesus. To give it away to you, Jesus. To give it away to you, Jesus. Stand and let's all sing together. child of God, 
And what we will be is yet to be revealed, but we will be like him. Amen.